This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Thursday, 23rd of February, 2023. Equity markets uh, holding their breath. It uh, looks like overnight, at least in the U.S., we had some positive NVIDIA results after the close, possibly boosting sentiment a little bit. But we do note that we have uh, sort of broken this week this uh, key uh, first support levels, the, those uh, sort of 4,100 down to a little bit below that uh, area that was uh, bottling up the action prior weeks. A key first move, uh, setting up some downside momentum, but it really is the next levels that are important here for the structural outlook. Technically, 200-day moving average coming in a bit lower, perhaps about 50 base, uh, fifty points below uh, the close yesterday in the S&P 500, which has closed below the 4,000 level now, uh, despite the little backup overnight. Uh, that and there's a rising trend line. And actually, if you look at a cash index rather than the uh, more heavily traded future, the cash index just touched that trend line that you can see on slide two. So Pretty nervy days here, Peter, as we're awaiting next steps, uh, both in terms of the whole yield picture, which has really been providing a lot of background pressure of late, but also, as we'll discuss here, this ongoing geopolitical overlay and concerns that uh, that something is rumbling there in terms of uh, this Ukraine war risking becoming an outright sort of proxy war set up, a Cold War style between uh, the Russia, China, uh, other uh, allied bloc and uh, U.S., NATO and, and uh, bloc on the other side. So, Huge concerns there. There was a Wall Street Journal uh, article out. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a moment. Just uh, just some thoughts from you, Peter, as uh, I know you've got a lot on your mind today as well on, on yesterday's session and, and what you're looking at here. Mm, yeah, we had a wobbly, a wobbly S&P 500 futures. We closed below 4,000. That was the first time since the 20th of January. Um, a lot of the gains this year have been taken out. I think we are waiting a C mode here. I, I, I think the equity market will take its clue and its direction from... What happens to the bond market? We, if we look at the U.S. ten-year yield, we uh, reversed a little bit yesterday, but we, uh, I think the, I think the market is going to test that four percent and even try to push beyond. So whatever the the bond market decides in terms of its um, thinking on 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 inflation and where to put rates uh, will dictate where equities go from here. I think we, it will be the structural inflation discussion that will. Uh, take over um, and move markets around, I think, over the next two months. And then when we get to uh, late April and, and early May, um, the Q1 earnings releases will begin to show, I think, the wage pressure that we talked about yesterday with Walmart and Home Depot begin really impacting those uh, those margins and 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 begin to set the, set the tone on margins because the first wave here was driven by high energy price and commodity prices. The second wave, which is much more important because we have a lot of businesses that are uh, that are have a big weight in the equity indices. They have a lot of employees, and the wage component is is a big part of the of the operating margin. So I think that's the sort of the two stage um, trajectory from here in, in in equities. And if we look at the the session yesterday, it was mostly uh, mostly negative. Um, a few bright spots were cybersecurity, and and interesting enough in in, in bubble stocks and next gen medicine, which has really become this this um, this, this casino like very curating between. Uh, positive and negative returns either in the in the absolute top or, or, or absolute bottom in terms of uh, market market performance and we think and we and that's well the the s p 500 futures are uh, and nasdaq in particular a little bit bit here this morning because of uh, you know uh, a strong outlook from nvidia which we'll talk about uh, later in the uh, in the stocks to watch I, I i think john before you um 
you talk about the Wall Street Journal article, and, and maybe I can actually create a good segue because I want to talk a little bit about China. So the the geopolitical risk and this whole reshoring theme um, is being underpinned as well. Again, today we talked about this the Japanese company Kyosia uh, the other day choosing to create manufacturing in Japan for the first time in two, two decades. Now we have Volkswagen in an FT article saying that they're looking at India again to de-risk their global supply chains. I think the reshoring is just really accelerating at a rapid pace here. I mean, I think you have to be an extremely clueless board of directors or management to not see why you cannot have a majority of your manufacturing in, in China. You need to spread out your risk. And on slide three, this whole China growth rebound narrative, I have a hard time really Accept, accepting it because of two things. So first of all, the commodities uh, spot prices, they continue to go down. We printed a new low and we're getting almost the lowest in in a year. And then also the, uh, and, uh, you know, this, this article that came out internally from China that you're seeing some cities in the, in the middle of China, they, they're running out of fiscal funds to actually run something as, as simple as, uh, as local bus, uh, bus services in the city. So you, you have this sense that the country is really constrained at the moment in a lot of different ways it's a it's a, a critical part of, of what's going on here with uh because it has set one of the key narrative strains we're talking about this year and at the same time this clashes directly with the whole concern that uh you know that we're having a, a huge disengagement if china moves in the direction of, of driving a proxy war with the ukraine confrontation and it looks like it was a leak to the Wall Street Journal here. That that's what these these types of uh, you know prominent publication having some kind of access to the story looks like. It's you know almost an intentional leak. It looks like there was a lot of uh, closed door uh, discussions between the U.S. and China at that Munich Security Conference before they decided that uh, the uh, the discussion was not constructive enough for them to avoid making that dramatic warning in the public space. Uh, I put the headline there on slide four, by the way, from that Wall Street Journal article. And the angle there is that they're considering actually, dis, you know, displaying or, or or publishing the evidence they have of China's uh, consideration of upping its assistance uh, with lethal aid or other to Russia's war effort. So we have to watch for that. Blinken apparently is set to meet with the UN Security Council. This was also a measure that was taken ahead of the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine when they had the uh, intelligence on Russia's intentions. Uh, a lot of that was sort of dismissed by the rest of the world. It turned out they were, were very accurate on, on all that. But uh, more importantly, just uh, what we have there on slide four is, is the Saxo Bank global risk indicator and is showing a very uh, negative direction here. So we haven't uh, turned into uh, outright negative territory in terms of where we are versus the uh, the moving average, but it is going in the wrong direction. And I, the, I still continue to put that dollar um, chart, the blue line there showing the dollar direction as as a key part of that. So the U.S. dollar is uh, global financial conditions often, and that is the case right now. And I think that's what we're all looking at here is the risk of all these correlations across asset classes swinging uh, closer to one as we have a risk on risk off set up and a big headline risk around all of this. So just an encouraging to everyone to take uh, to take note of the story and, and to follow it uh, closely. Um, but also in FX, if we roll forward to the slide five there, some other subplots afoot here. We have, of course, uh, rising yield pressures driving uh, some of the risk off, and uh, that has helped the dollar to a large degree. Uh, 106 almost traded in euro dollar. We saw Aussie dollar testing its 200-day moving average overnight before bouncing a little bit. Uh, that's in the low 68s. Uh, so watch that one. That really looks like a capitulation level, and that would fit very well with the concern about the narrative around the China recovery story. Uh, also keep an eye on commodities and things like copper uh, when you're looking at uh, the Australian dollar. 
Uh, sterling uh, versus the dollar largely reversing the prior day's uh, rally. So it's looking far less positive. Look at the key moving averages and pivot lows there. Uh, but also with the Bank of Japan up uh, tonight, uh, not the Bank of Japan itself, but the hearings <clears throat> for the new Bank of Japan governor, or at least the nominee to replace Kuroda, who will be testifying before the lower house in some nomination hearings. There's a bit of color on Ueda as a type that is not afraid to go against consensus to be uh, fairly outspoken if he has an opinion. He has a formidable academic record, so it could be uh, will certainly be very interesting if he uh, to, to hear what he has to say in general, but especially if he drops some hints at what his style or focus will be as the uh, presumed new Bank of Japan governor come early April. At the same time, we have uh, further, new of, uh, further news of wage gains. There was a Toyota a uh, story that Toyota is looking at hiking its wages by the most in a couple of decades. Um, and we have the, the Japanese uh, January CPI data up tonight as well. So quite a bit in the mix. There's not a lot of volatility in dollar yen, which is just sort of lazily tracking the uh, uh, the, the rise in U.S. Treasury yields here. But certainly the risk of uh, some new twists in, in the mix there uh, for uh, Japan. Now, you mentioned at the outset, uh, Peter, this NVIDIA focus, which has managed to lift sentiment. I've, I've seen the NASDAQ up a full 100 points uh, overnight. Uh, Animal Spirits, <laughs> very quick rebound and, and to do, uh, uh, you know, gyrate all over the place these days. But, uh, but what was the focus there? I think you have a very uh, slightly cynical view on NVIDIA and its uh, link with the, the crypto space. But let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's I, NVIDIA is just this interesting case where you it's so obvious that there is a causal link between the demand for their their chips and then um and then the crypto mining industry and they just simply don't want to acknowledge it uh, you can acknowledge it and then say okay but we know it's there but we can't quantify it so but they just they don't want to talk about it so they always come up with these ridiculous stories about what is driving demand and 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 in the for the q1 outlook it, it's gaming strong uh, demand in gaming and data centers and we have zero and i mean zero evidence of a pickup in gaming from the different gaming companies that they have reported in q4 there is no uptake in gaming um but nvidia says that that's driving it and it's because that is their classification in terms of segment they call it gaming and data center those are the two biggest ones and the the this flump in demand for nvidia and the and the lower pricing came because crypto mining disappeared pricing went down because in because the, a lot of the crypto mining in uh, mining companies they closed shop they sold their gpus on the internet and then they, they had the inventory right down for nvidia and now with crypto and gambling you know it, we've talked about it uh, this year coming back into the markets where cryptocurrency is significantly higher and crypto mining is also coming back and now they're saying that they're seeing strong demand. So there is a the causal link right there. Um, but nevertheless, the um, and we also wrote about that in our in our quick take yesterday uh, that that was the upside a potential upside surprise to Nvidia was this uh, this crypto uh, comeback. And um, shares are up eight percent in extended trading, as you said. It's also lifting the uh, the equity futures here uh, in early European trading hours. And um, and the the crypto industry is. And the impact on Nvidia's business is big enough to move the needle back and forth. And I think over over the long run, over the next ten years, the you know the underlying machine learning uh, machine learning demand and and the capabilities and ChatGPT, etc., those type of applications will over the long run be the absolute dominant force of Nvidia unless crypto becomes a very big thing, which is not my baseline scenario. So Nvidia is higher. Uh, things are looking okay here, and then. If we look in the European session, we have had two 
earnings for these BAE systems. One of them is coming out with a fiscal year 23 revenue growth outlook of only 3 to 5%. I think it sounds very conservative given the defense spending dynamics, but it could be the case uh, for BAE systems that they have a little bit more advanced systems and a lot of the revenue growth for this year uh, you know, pipeline and orders for for the previous previous year, and and that extra demand that is coming in won't really impact the business until further down the road. But it it, it just sounds it just sounds extremely conservative when you see some how some of the other companies, Leonardo, Rheinmetall, etc., here in Europe has responded, and this out uh, systems have reported uh, have in, you know have been impacted by you know the higher EU defense spending, and then Genmam, the biggest biotechnology company here in in Europe. Coming out with a 23 revenue outlook at around 14 and a half to 16 billion ish Danish krona revenue, and that's a disappointment versus 16 and a half billion indicated. So this year is going to be, in quotation, a lost year for this growth stock as they transition and building up their business for for higher growth going forward. They have a very strong pipeline, uh, but shares are down three percent in in trading here in Copenhagen. And to wrap it off, John. We don't have a lot on our plate uh, in terms of earnings uh, today. Tomorrow, it's uh, it's all about BASSF. Um, and as you can see, I've put in here the small insert on slide seven, quarterly financials. The uh, the revenue growth of, is coming down sharply from double digit growth rates to to minus in the in in the quarter that ended in December, but also in the future future quarters. Um, but there's a there's a weird lead lag. Um, dynamics in the in the revenue for BSSF and the market won't be too negative won't be too negative about the negative revenue growth rate because the the natural gas prices which you have been talking so much about John in the in the recent podcast have come down and it's actually lifting um Heidel um what's it called uh, I, I can't remember the name is Heidelberg cement um the big cement producer in 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 Germany is uh, is being lifted today also in in analyst reports and also BSSF with the lower gas prices will will already have an improved profitability outlook because of that yeah and also uh, just uh, as as we were as you were talking here i noticed an ft headline out this morning talking about russia uh, well uh, the trade between <laughs> between European countries and Russia's neighbors, so places like Kazakhstan and other peripheral countries around Russia, has leapt uh, by leaps and bounds. Um, and there's also the talk of intensification, of course, of Russia's trade with China. So all this idea that Russia can avoid sanctions by simply the re-importing, et cetera, uh, via a neighbor that uh, that is not participating in the sanctions. And there's really little net effect, except maybe there's a, a middleman that's uh, charging a little bit in between. So it's really difficult for these sanctions to be you know, to, to implement them with uh, heavy effect, if that is the case. Uh, interesting, a uh, further focus there. And of course, the risk would be in the direction of, of higher prices in general, if um, Russia is is, uh, is further limited in terms of its ability to transact with the world. So just, yeah, it's, it's a very uh, tense issue. Geopolitics continues to drive the overlay here on across asset classes. And even without that, there is the focus on higher yields that is a risk anyway if we do have a reset accelerating economy as our notion is and certainly that the inflation levels are not going to come down to where the future inflation pricing and the markets uh, sort of uh, is structurally pricing inflation to drop to in coming uh, years uh, the market is poorly positioned for that so that is uh, the key backdrop here it's a concerning one we, we still think uh, everyone should stay careful out there but look at the uh, macro calendar today not a whole lot we have Turkey supposedly set to chop the rate another 100 basis points. So when your when your rates are negative 50 uh, 50 percent, the negative 
5,000 basis points, why not continue to cut rates? Um, of course, there's the tragedy of that terrible uh, earthquake there uh, as maybe an excuse to do this. Uh, but uh, it, it does look like the Turkish is, exchange rate is heavily managed and there's some involvement from external parties to somewhat stabilize the situation. To me, the Turkish lira are completely untradeable. Uh, we also have the latest weekly claims data point from the U.S. Will this be the sixth week in a row we get a sub-200K jobless claims will be the uh, question there. Uh, weekly natural gas storage change, as we've discussed, this collapse in especially U.S. Uh, natural gas prices, etc. And another seven-year auction uh, today from the U.S. Treasury after the five-year yesterday was quite strong uh, relative to the longer-term range here. And then those uh, uh, the risk events in Japan overnight, as discussed earlier. And the final sort of chance for any macro data to drive anything this week will be in tomorrow's PC inflation data report and potentially the University of Michigan sentiment survey if, uh, I would say only if, there's something odd suddenly happening in the inflation expectations component of that sentiment um, uh, survey, the final version for February there. All right, let's uh, stay careful out there, as, as mentioned, and uh, we'll see where, how things develop. And we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. 